0: It's Radiothon time again at 3CR. This year marks 40 years of Radical Radio at 3CR and we're asking you to keep us on air for another 40 years by donating your money to 3CR's Radical Radiothon. June 6th to the 19th, call us on 03 9419 8377 or donate online at 3cr.org.au. Enjoy your podcast.
1: That one elificated to all the bicycle riders, seen? seen. Bicycle rider, bicycle rider Bike rider, my other bike rider Bike rider, my other bike rider, bike rider, bike rider, bike rider, bike rider. Good morning and welcome to this week's Yarra Bicycle Users Group radio program on 3CR 855 AM and digital. And thank you to Democracy Now for the last hour of current affairs. My name's Chris and on today's show I'm going to be talking to Senator Janet Rice about the Greens... Recent uh, launch of their walking and bicycle strategy. Got a little bit of local news coming up about how you can support cycling in Yarra yet again, and I've got a little bit of news about um, a buzzword at the moment: resilience or resilient. So there's a uh, resilient uh, Melbourne strategy put out calling for fewer cars. It came out about mid last month, so I'm going to have a little talk about that. On and I've uh, I mentioned I'm having Janet Rice on the show today, and. Um, yeah, if you're sitting up last night trying to watch some cycling and uh, on SBS and the signal was a little bit faint, yeah, well I gave up too. So I'm just gonna. I think the faint news that I've got about the uh, Daphne Prologue, I think it was a Prologue, was that uh, Contador is back. Yes. I'm not going to chuck any bad nicknames in about uh, Mr. Um, Bertie, but, um, yeah, he's back. He, he won it last night. So for those of us who uh, are slightly interested in um, European cycling and uh, what goes on and then lead up to the biggie, which is um, the Tour de France next month, well, that's kind of interesting. So Condor's not quite calling it quits yet. Anyway, uh, I hope where you are... Um, at the moment, the sky is clearing and it's not looking too um, oh, overcast and rainy. We've had a hell of a uh, weekend down the eastern seaboard of Australia with a, a really massive uh, east coast low. And, you know, Victoria got a copped a bit of it. But um, for friends up, you know, from all the way from Poppy Brisbane, all the way down to Victoria's um, uh, out of the Gippsland bit, absolute blanket of rain. And watching... Um, Stuff up in the northern beaches uh, in Sydney you get washed away by these amazing tides, and oh it's just incredible watching it. So I hope where you are at the moment, um, there's not too many barks and twigs and bits and pieces down on your on your riding commute or wherever you are. And I hope your um, your, your, your commute wasn't too interrupted. But uh, I think kind of, I think something I might touch upon with Janet is uh, we're living in a current stage where we have, well, you know, uh, volatile weather. And um, how do we get around that when we have politicians and the like that are not coming around to the way of thinking that we are now living in a very changed environment? Anyway, I'm going to take a quick break and I'll be back with a bit of news and events.
0: Hi, my name's Sarah. I love coming here because they offer vegan food. Hi, my name is Paul. This is my first time at Friends of the Earth. I think it's really awesome and the food's great, really healthy and nutritious.
1: (laughs) Friends of the Earth Food
0: Co-op, 312 Smith Street, Collingwood. A tuneful experience.
1: A 3CR supporter. And mid last month, you may have read that there was a uh, strategy put forward by the Melbourne City Council calling for extra resilience for the actual area, calling for fewer cars. And it was one of the getting people out of cars and onto bikes is one of the key role or goal, I should say, of one of Melbourne's first major um policies to looking at uh, getting past looming social unrest. And this has actually um, been a few interesting conversations I've had with people in the last fortnight or so about this sort of thing. We're not talking dystopian visions, we're just talking that uh, word, the other word other than resilience gets chucked around at the moment, which is disruption. But uh, this plan backed by all Melbourne councils saying that riding a bike would be a good option for... Uh, journeys less than two kilometres. Well, that's pretty obvious. Well, the draft Resilient Melbourne strategy calls for a Mel- for a metropolitan bicycle network to make cycling in the city's car dependent west a little bit more well make it a bit more of an option, which basically at the moment out there, um, according to this strategy, has very high obesity levels, and. It said in the strategy that uh, Melbourneians could be like New Yorkers who use bikes to go and forth out to their train services. Which, uh, to hark back to some of Alan Parker's work, he said back almost forty years ago in his essay "Bicycleisation," uh, and there was a, I think I've got a link to that on the previous podcast I did with Al- um, Alan as a um, kind of a memorial to Alan. Uh, was about you know the short distances between where you live and your your most uh, closest train station so thinking you know mode um, intermodal transport or mixed mode but uh, if i can find the rest of this article yeah, here we are and uh, the strategy aims to keep melbourne's livability in the face of huge population growth uh, rising unemployment extreme climate events and sudden shocks like terrorism and cybercrime. crime although well, would have to chuck that in and another flagship action is to develop an urban forest forest strategy to make the whole city greener to cope with things like heat waves and flooding, well, that's an obvious, you've got to have good shading. Um, but uh, the resilience strategy is pretty interesting because, again, it's it's backed by the state government I representatives from the city's academic business and community sectors. Now, it's interesting because I had a couple of these free-ranging conversations over the last fortnight, I've been interstate and a few places over Australia, and something that kept coming up was Uh, was about separated facilities for cycling. Now, I wasn't always a believer in this I believe that you know you could share the roads and what's really getting through at the moment is the absolute deluge the absolute volume of cars on the road it's something that kind of you get used to and you think oh that's okay and then you go nah this I cannot ride in as an experienced rider how the hell can someone um, you know want to rides to school or someone who's a little bit older or someone who hasn't got the riding experience supposed to put up with this sort of Deluge of traffic. We got out there at the moment, so you know, resiliency. I know it's a bit of a buzzword, but it's something that we got to think about a bit more as we get disruptions. And the other funny conversation that kept coming up was about self-driving cars. Now, I just, I just completely. You know, you just kind of zoom off somewhere else when you start thinking of these sort of things. Like, I can just envisage all these little cars going home, and um, after their, you know, the one trip journey into the city or wherever to drop someone off, and just cramming up an intersection. Like, um, <laughs> I just, I, could, I can't really envisage the, the the thing that I saw in my head, but it was uh, just these, you know, like little mini cars, just kind of like dump dump Bump in the middle of an intersection, and it's that's kind of somewhere between dystopian and humorous, but it's somewhere where we may be heading if this sort of thing happens in the next twenty years or the next generation, if we don't st- don't start looking at modal, you know, mixed mode traffic and start looking at smarter, better ways of moving around our cities, which. Apparently Melbourne is going to overtake Sydney in terms of population and I could really believe that too. It's uh, it's flatter, it's got better facilities and I think Sydney's hemmed in by quite a few constraints. Anyway, enough of that. Uh, I'm going to take a break and I should be back with Senator Janet Rice talking about the Greens' new walking and cycling strategy. <laughs> Faithful gardeners, the seasons have turned and our annual gardening show radiothon is fast approaching. It's time to sow the seeds for another productive year of our beloved gardening show. We've got thousands of dollars worth of tools, books, nursery vouchers and subscriptions to reward your generous donations that help us continue to grow each year. So turn on and tune in to dig deep and clean up on Sunday the 26th of June between 7.30 and 10am. Then join us at the station after the show to pick up your prizes, have a cuppa and say good day. And you're back listening to Yarra Bosco User Group Radio and Community Radio 3CR 855 AM and Digital and we'll just fade out a bit of Robert Crumb. Are you there, Senator Janet Rice? I am.
0: Good morning,
1: Chris. Oh, great to hear you. I'll just uh, fix up your levels a little bit. (laughs) Okay, so it's been a while since we've last spoken on 3CR.
0: It has been. I've been busy on my bike. Yeah,
1: and so what's it been like um, your first term in the big house? Look, it's been
0: a really interesting mix of terrifically rewarding being a big advocate and being able to be outspoken on the issues that matter to us, like bikes, like transport, forests. People seeking asylum, the whole range of things that we've, you know, been able to speak up and, and be a strong voice for. It's been frustrating, though, with the current government of, you know, not having very few wins. So I've enjoyed a lot of my time working with the community rather than a bit of, you know, bashing your head against the brick wall of trying to get stuff achieved in Canberra.
1: Yeah, it's kind of like this ideological um, reinforced wall of well, garbage. I think at the moment in Canberra, yes. <laughs> <laughs> I can say
0: that you can't. But anyway. <laughs> The wonderful thing about election campaigns, though, yeah. is they give you that sense of hope and optimism. Here's a chance to change. So, oh, you know, yes. we, can, we can really feel that there are, there's the opportunity to, to have a different way forward after the
1: 2nd of July. I hope so. Now, the reason I got you on the show today was about the new Greens walking and cycling strategy. But something I'd like to get your opinion about is the weekend's um, weather. Just quickly, that was probably one of the biggest East Coast lows I've ever seen. And I was listening to someone this morning on the ABC saying they've lived in, I think, Narrabun or somewhere up on the northern beaches of Sydney for 40 years. and They've never seen anything like it. I think we're looking at more volatile, turbulent weather because of
0: because of global warming. Yeah, we absolutely are. And I mean, we'll you know, obviously have to do the analysis about this weather event and how much there was a climate change signal in it. But it fits with what we were we will expect under a, a warmed planet. Of you know, you've got greater warmth in the oceans. You've got greater warmth in the atmosphere. You've got um what that means is sort of more frequent, really intense rainfall events like this one. And yes, I was looking at the the weather charts on the, the telly last night and just seeing this massive amount of cloud and all being entrained into the east coast low and think, wow. So yes, that's what we've got. To look forward to more of similar type events, which are having massive impacts on you know coastal erosion. Just seeing what's what's going on both in Tasmania and New South Wales at the moment.
1: Yeah, and something to bring into point too is also as you know, riders we have you know um, we ride on the Canberra of the road, or we have shared paths and stuff we go on. Invariably, when you get you know, a massive weather event, those sort of things are usually the last to get cleaned up because uh, you know roads have a bigger priority than a shared path.
0: They certainly are. That's right. And you have shared paths like the one that that I travel on. Sort of um, underneath City Link where you've got all of these underpasses underneath roads and they get big, huge puddles in them and, you've, you know, some people ride through them, some people don't. It's sort of, lot, yeah, lots of impacts. And, of course, just, you know, having those really intense rainfall events is the biggest thing that puts people off cycling. Oh, definitely.
1: <laughs> I can think of, like, yeah, the pumping stations have got down along the Mary... Oh, no, Moone Pines Creek, you know. Sometimes they work and there's been times when they just... It's just too much volume. And, you know, why should we... Um, who, are, you know, who are seen as a you know, valid transport mode have to put up with you know Very conditions like that. Standard,
0: absolutely, yeah. and and just the expectation that oh well the path will be out of order for you know quite a, a period of time, and that's yeah. And then it puts people you know having to mix with the traffic on dangerous roads when the the safe paths aren't available.
1: Well, that's something I was just talking about earlier in the intro to the show, which kind of convinced me a couple of years ago to because you know, I used to be one of these people who used to think that yeah you, know, you could share the roads, and invariably you do on medium to small you know small Smaller roads. But what really got me in the last couple of years is the absolute volume of traffic is just increasing and increasing and increasing.
0: Yes, it would be, you know, the the opportunity for getting those cars off the roads, it would be wonderful, wouldn't it? To have more of them sort of uh, on people rather than being in their cars, being on their bikes and being in public transport um, would, you know, it's really going to be the only way that we're going to be, you know, solving the issues of of congestion on our roads.
1: Yeah, and looking towards separate uh, facilities because, it's the only way you're going to get that uptick of um of, of people riding.
0: Absolutely. We know that the biggest barrier that um to people riding and the thing that p- puts people off the mo- off the most is that feeling of being unsafe and actually being unsafe on those roads. Um I think it's you know it's really sobering to think mm. that in the last year we had 32 cyclists die on Australia's roads and it's the only category of um road deaths that've been trending upwards rather than downwards over the last 5 years. So The only way that we're going to deal with that is to be giving people safe, separate um, cycling infrastructure. And then lots of people who are currently just say, no, I wouldn't consider cycling, um, will think about giving it a go.
1: Yeah, so um, on to the actual uh, commitment that uh, the Greens have uh, launched last week, the bikes and walking uh, commitment for a revolution in clean transport future. Now. Um, putting on my thinking cap, I think it was only back in 2007, I, th- I thought there was the last time that we saw any input from a federal government, I think it was the National Bike Path Strategy, I think it was the only, the last time I saw any federal input, but this time, uh, you're, you're, you're going back and you're going to, if you, you know, you get ballots of power or whatever in the Senate or in the House of Reps, um, how, how feasible is getting this, um? $250 million a year for an active transport fund?
0: Well, look, we've put it on the table of saying this is what we reckon is necessary and this is what all of the cycling advocacy organisations across the country have said is necessary as well. It equates to about $10 per person. You know, we, we I'm hopeful that the Greens are going to do well enough in this election so that after the 2nd of July, we'll have a good chance of, you know, having an increased number of representatives in the House of Representatives, so a few more to join Adam Band, and we've also got a good chance of having or sharing the balance of power in the Senate as well, which means that you do have influence and it means that we can really be putting a whole lot of issues on the table of saying, this is what people have supported us for to do and these are some issues that we're going to be really pushing very hard for. Exactly how it works out as to, you know, whether... Which range of issues or how much how negotiations will go after the second of July, we'll leave it until then to decide. Mm. but actually just saying, look, this is this is serious. this is you know this is the greens position. This is what we're going to be working for in whatever way possible we can, whether it's through you know through direct negotiations or whether it's just continued advocacy and taking any opportunity that we have to be getting that that level of of investment. And it is, it's the level of investment that's needed if we're going to see, the you know realise the increase in numbers of people cycling that we know is possible, that we know will be good for dealing with congestion as we we're just discussing. It will be good for dealing with the pollution, getting you know um, all pollution, all of those polluting cars sort of off our roads, and also just generally contributing to the health and. Um, livability of our city and to people's physical health, both you know, um, mental health and physical health and people's overall well-being.
1: Yeah, because the interesting point too is if cycling is going to be seen as, well, should be seen already as a valid means of transport, uh, we've got to have the proper facilities and you're mentioning that an investment of one million builds around about a kilometre of bike path. And you put that in comparison with the uh, East West Link, which was going to cost about a billion for every kilometre.
0: Exactly, a thousand times as much. So every one kilometre of a, a tollway tunnel, you'll get a thousand kilometres of bike path. And in fact, you'd probably get more than a thousand kilometres because that million dollars a kilometre takes into account some bridges and expensive bits of the bike so path. If you're, you're not looking... building a you know a, a straightforward shared path on the side of a road. That's you know much more actually only in the order of about a hundred thousand dollars per kilometre. Yeah. Um, per kilometre rather than a million. But we use the million dollars as a a rough figure so that we're not accused of of being overly um, ambitious and and exaggerating what you can get for your your money, but you certainly, you know, a thousand times as much, which means if we had that investment of a billion dollars, it would be over the next four years, you could build pretty much, you know, every bike path and, and bike lane that people think is would be a good addition to our bike ne- net worth across the country, I reckon.
1: Yeah, so you're looking at, like, in terms of infrastructure spend, you're looking at the, the primo instead of uh, the kind of like, let's paint white lines so because because exactly. I, I saw a little bit of criticism of that one million dollar figure and I'm, I'm thinking no they're actually going for the maximum spend of a separated facility plus the plus the the inbuilt that come with it
0: exactly and In, look yeah. if you get if you get more for it well that's terrific and but that's just just to give people an idea of, sort of the level of infrastructure you'd be, infrastructure that you'd be, a, be able to get
1: yeah. so there was an interesting thing about it. a fortnight ago, I interviewed David Blom from Whitehorse Cyclist and he was looking at using service roads for bicycle infrastructure because, you, know, you know, apparently mm. we've got um, hundreds of kilometres of you know, underutilised service roads. So these, these are these sort of things that are going to be looked at.
0: Absolutely. I remember when I rode my bike from Melbourne to Canberra to take up my seat in the Senate yep. almost two years ago now and sort of particularly in the um, regional cities and there are a lot of um, places that I rode through that were using the service roads. And you think all you need are the, sort of, these connections sort of, rather than sort of having to then go out into the mainstream of traffic to get through an intersection and then back into the service Road again, you just need to actually have designed them for bikes and sort of have the bike crossing of those those crossroads and those service roads. Be mm. really, you know, very could be quite high quality um, cycling infrastructure.
1: Yeah, something I've also got to touch base upon is like I mentioned the back in two thousand and seven, the Greens helped get that uh, national bike path strategy up.
0: That's right, and that was part of the, our response to the global financial crisis when yes. we had this commitment to be building infrastructure. And one of the good things about um, cycling infrastructure is something. You can get off the ground very quickly, and so there was 40 million dollars that was put into bike paths um, under under that, and that was because of the Greens. Um, the uh, our, our input into what that infrastructure was going to be spent on, and that yeah was was transformational. We then said, right, we should be continuing that every year. And in fact, at the last election, we boosted it and said we should be spending 80 million dollars a year. Mm. But sort of with the you know input from the the various cycling advocacy bodies who, go, who put the case as to why it in fact should be should be more than that, we were willing to and thought, yep, there's a very good case as to why it, you know should be up at the 240 million and so we, we we brought it up to around $250 million a year and, and particularly adding in um, walking infrastructure as well as cycling infrastructure. Mm. And the, the other comparison I think that also is to be made is that New Zealand has now got a commitment of spending $100 million a year on cycling infrastructure because they see that having that pipeline of, of that level of of spend is going to really transform the cycling infrastructure there. So we thought that look, if New Zealand can be committing to be spending $100 million a year, we'll In Australia, um, $250 million a year spend is not excessive.
1: It's not excessive if you do a straight uh, population comparison, is it?
0: No, absolutely not. And it would enable, you know, that that, the level of spend would also enable um, cycling infrastructure both in the cities but also some, you know, the recreation and and tourist facilities as well to be built, which will have really significant impacts on um, regional economies. You know that we're you know, regional centres that have got cycling infrastructure and they're really promoting cycling as being a way to be tourists in their area, uh, being very successful in the, the number of people that they're attracting.
1: Yeah, well, that's kind of came up in the uh, thing I went to, oh, probably over a fortnight ago, if not more now. Uh, the state government are looking at uh, implementing a, a active transport um, thing coming out in I think next month. Sorry, I just had a complete brain fade, even though I had this all full in my head. Um, so yeah, this kind of the, the term being used at the moment is active transport across. Yeah, you know, if we can get this from the federal down to the state to the actual mm. local governments, because uh, I know that many, most of the heavy lifting for bicycle infrastructure is done by. Um, Oh, local government local well. government, you and would I, know. As I know
0: from my six years in local government that's yeah. right and and our view is that look, we need to have local state and federal governments all working together and you can't leave it to local government, they are absolutely cash strapped, oh, particularly yes. in Victoria, with the rate capping that they haven't just haven't got the money to spend on everything that they'd like to to spend be spending money on, and similarly, state governments, so much of the resources that state governments get and particularly in transport um, resources are come from federal government funds. So we think that all three levels of government need to be working together. Otherwise, you, you do have places missing out. You know, really good projects, there just isn't the money to fund them. And you have the ridiculousness of projects stopping at council boundaries because one council is yep. supporting it and the other one's not. Whereas we're hoping with this, um, if this fund was set up, you would have consortiums of local governments you know, and taking a regional pr- approach, putting together a regional plan of their priority um, cycling infrastructure that they want to establish across the whole region and and putting in applications to the fund for that to be funded.
1: Yeah, because we've got uh, stuff like that happening in Yarra with trying to finish off the Wellington Street, Copenhagen lane, and it's kind of, to be put bluntly, been used as a political football. And it should be like, yeah, this was um, asked for by the community. It has been advocated for by the community. The community has strongly pushed this for what, since its inception going back to 2000 and I think it's almost five, six years we've been um, fighting for this Mm. and it should be finished. It should be finished couldn't be these these vital conduits like uh, the one but what I'm talking about is Wellington Street in um, Fitzroy, Collingwood. Yes, yes. this is kind of like there'd be a fantastic spine, almost like an arterial highway for cyclists. Exactly. exactly. And it shouldn't become a political footy. No, that and should be finished off.
0: And if you you know these sorts of projects, is where you, you, you can plan them sort of linking into a, a, an overall plan, and yes. when you do the analysis of them, and the you know the benefit cost ratio is is much higher than any equivalent road project is going to be, because they've just got you know the overall benefits for dealing with congestion for dealing with pollution for improving people's health and well-being for improving access to areas they just tick all the boxes so they are the sorts of projects that should be being assessed at a regional state and national level and to be really being funded because of that Mm. it's just not it's not good enough and it's it's economically inefficient as well as with regard to all the other benefits for the federal government not to be investing directly in in cycling and walking
1: infrastructure. Yeah, one question I've got to ask, and you're probably going to hate me for saying it, would you be open to evidence about um, the whole helmet, mandatory helmet legislation thing? Oh, uh, helmets, uh, yes. I've
0: been having a bit of a discussion over the weekend with a range of people on Twitter, as as people might have seen. Look, look, I've got to ask. the, uh, The Greens policy at the moment is actually silent on helmets, and I'm open to absolutely open to evidence. In fact, you know, in the ACT, we've got Shane Rattenbury, who's a Greens minister in the ACT government. He's the roads minister who is looking at trialling um, not wearing helmets on on um, low-risk areas of, of, of cycling. It's something I think there does need to be a lot more... There needs to be more research done. I know there's been quite a lot done. Um, but it's an area where it's... Uh, it, I think we also need to recognise that it's a different thing to be removing mandatory helmet laws in Australia than it is to be introducing them somewhere else.
1: Yeah, it's If, if you've got
0: jurisdictions that currently haven't got mandatory helmet laws, I'd say on the evidence at the moment, you wouldn't say that there's a strong case for introducing them. But where you've got them, like we have in Australia, um, you need to have a stronger body of evidence to to actually say, no, we're going to remove them. And I mean, I certainly know the, the evidence that Yes, it puts people off cycling to have to wear a helmet, but I think the biggest barrier to putting people off cycling is actually the lack of safe infrastructure. It's not not wearing a helmet. Mm. I I had this discussion with, in fact, somebody that I was door-knocking with on on Saturday afternoon saying, oh, you know, what do you think about helmets? And she said, well, I'm a big supporter of them because she survived a crash. She said, I survived a head-on collision with a car and my helmet saved my life. Yeah, that's... Yep. You know, and so for someone like that and you'd only, if we remove mandatory helmet laws, you know, the first person who dies not wearing a helmet because of of brain injuries, people would be saying, well, you know, that's purely because that wouldn't have happened if we'd had mandatory helmet laws. So it's a very complicated situation and it's something that to change the legislation, you need to have a very, very strong body of evidence.
1: Yep. Okay, I'm coming... Oh, my God, I'm almost running out of time, Janet. So it's been great having you on the show today. Thank you so much for that. You can go to the Greens website, was it greens.org.au, and look up the Walking and Bicycle strategy.
0: Yes, and, um, and our transport strategy overall, and yeah, we're I'm really hopeful that we're going to be in a position post the 2nd of July to be able to have some real influence to get
1: it implemented. Yeah, and also I've got a bit today, I think is the first day of 3CR Radiothon, can, can I see if I can get a pl- pledge out of your office? I know. <laughs> <laughs> so you pledge it towards Yarra Bicycle Users Group Radio, because oh, look, you won't hear this sort of stuff anywhere else.
0: Absolutely, and you do a great job, Chris, so good on you.
1: <laughs> Thank you so much for being on the show today, Janet. Great,
0: thanks, Chris.
1: Community Radio springs into action on Friday, June
0: 3rd, calling on support for digital radio services and to restore funding cuts in the recent federal budget. Community Radio provides content you won't find via any other media, including services for Indigenous communities, diverse cultural backgrounds, arts, low vision services, and so much more. Show your support for unique community media by going to keepcommunityradio.org.au to sign the petition and find out how you can get involved. Keep the community in your radio.
1: And you're back listening to Yarra Bicycle User Group Radio on Community Radio 3CR. <coughs> Quick bit of news and events. There's a Yarra Council meeting tomorrow night, and I think this is to do with the budget being passed. If you would like to come along during public question time or just quietly sit there wearing some bicycle attire to show your support for getting um, getting the budget through as it is and also keep the funding in for the... Uh, yet again, for the Wellington Street um, Copenhagen lanes. I think it's at Richmond Town Hall, but I will check for you and put it out on Twitter or Facebook or include it in today's podcast information, 7pm tomorrow night. You can either ask a public question or come along wearing some bicycle or I Actually, will your bike in to show some support. So as I mentioned earlier to Janet, we've got um, Radiothon starts today. So don't forget, please, 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 please subscribe or donate. And if you listen to the show, please um, subscribe or donate to Yarra Bicycle User Group Radio so we can make our target. We've got a target this year of about $1,100 to um, keep us on air. So if you can help us make that $1,100, it would be very much appreciated. Anyway, thank you so much for today. We should have uh, Dirt Radio. I think they're outside waiting for me to get off air. So our podcast should be up later today. And don't forget, subscribe or donate to 3CR during Our Radiothon. You've just been listening to a podcast produced at 3CR Community Radio. 2016 marks 40 years that 3CR has been bringing you independent community voices, and we're asking you, our listeners, to keep us going for another 40 years by donating to our Radical Radiothon this June 6-19. to This year we need to make $220,000, so any amount you can afford makes a big difference. Call us on 03 9419 8377 or visit us online at 3cr.org.au. Thanks for supporting Community Radio.